0: Well hello everyone and welcome. You are listening to The Parenting Collective, formerly known as The Baby Sleep Sessions. I'm your host, Donna Mawala, the founder of bub to sleep I'm a certified paediatric sleep specialist working with expecting parents, newborns, infants, toddlers and children up to seven years of age here in Perth, Australia-wide and all around the world. And I hope you enjoy this episode. On this week's podcast, I'm so excited to have the lovely Georgie from the Women's Collective. She's a businesswoman, content creator, and Instagram guru. After splitting from her wife in 2020, before they had children, she decided to commence the journey of becoming a mum all by herself. Today, we talk about her wonderful experience from the conception journey through to birth and all the ups and downs in between. Hope you enjoy. Welcome, Georgie. Thank you for coming on to our podcast today to share your experiences becoming a mum thank you so much for having me no worries i can't wait to hear all the story to share um so yeah please introduce yourself and um explain your beautiful story
1: all right so uh, my name is georgie i am 30 i live in Brisbane, um and i guess the story really starts um about A year and a bit ago, I decided that I wanted to have a baby. Um, The only problem with that was that, well, not problem, but the only considering thing was I didn't have a partner, and um, yeah, so I decided that I was just going to do it by myself. Good on you. And I guess, yeah, I guess that was really what started this whole big chain of events.
0: Mm, Fantastic. And were you always someone that was yearning to be a mother? Like absolutely. That was yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So in terms of like my backstory before um I started this part of my life, I studied teaching in school, uh, and then decided that, that wasn't the right path for me, mm-hmm. but loved children, so I became a career nanny. I was working full time with a nanny. Um then I started a nanny agency. So that was my first foray into business. I ran that for five years and at the end, at the time I sold it, I had around 30 nannies on the book. Oh wow. Um and ended up selling to one of the senior nannies that had been with me for many years. So um, childcare and children and family-oriented lifestyle was always a huge part of of what um I wanted in life. And the main reason I really started that career was because I wanted something flexible that would support me, you know, when I decided to have children of my own. Um, So, yeah, definitely always wanted children. But I was also very acutely aware of wanting it to be the right time and situation for me because um, it was something that I took so incredibly seriously and I, yeah, I wanted to make sure that financially, mentally, emotionally I was in the best place possible to make that decision and to start that journey.
0: Mm, Well, that's amazing, isn't it? Because a a lot of um, women would be in the same position of being a single woman and wanting a baby but might not not be financially okay to do that. So that's amazing that you were able to get to that position. Um, Yeah. So you made the decision. How hard is it and what's the process in in simple ways of being able to have a baby by yourself? Explain. You know
1: what? It was actually um, in terms of logistically, it was quite simple. Okay. It was great. Right. So my, how do
0: people do it? Where do they go?
1: So they go to their doctor, they yep. get a referral to a fertility clinic. Yep. Um the best place for anyone who is looking to potentially do something similar, there's a Facebook group called Single Mothers by Choice Australia. Awesome. You awesome. can post in there looking for a fertility specialist in your area and people can recommend somebody. So I got a recommendation for a really good fertility specialist in Brisbane. I got a referral to go see him. It was a uh, four-week wait to see him. Mm -hmm. Um, And then once I'd met with him, there was a couple of other steps because I was using donor sperm. So all up, the process took um, approximately four months from initial appointment to my conception. Okay. um, that will change and differ depending on your journey with conception. Yeah. Um, but I actually found it surprisingly a much easier process than I had anticipated. Right. Having said that, it does definitely differ from state to state, especially when it comes to donor sperm. Okay. Yep. So the process in Brisbane was that my fertility clinic had sperm already in its own sperm bank yep. that you could access. Whereas some of the other ones, I know that there's a long wait period, so that can
0: okay. be something to just yeah
1: prepare yeah. yourself for. Yep.
0: Yeah. and so when choosing the donor sperm, do you get a choice? Do you know the background of the father, or like what colour skin they are? Have they, you know, or do, do you get to have a yeah. look at all of that when choose? We do. Yeah. It, oh, it's funny.
1: Definitely, it definitely um, differs from clinic to clinic. Sure. But my clinic. I had a choice of approximately twenty donors. Oh
0: wow, that's amazing!
1: Which was great, although yeah. um, it does narrow down very quickly. So for okay. once, you take out um, there's Australian sperm and there's overseas sperm. Now, oh, okay. Australian sperm um, personally wasn't and wasn't what I wanted to go with okay. because in Australia you cannot be um, paid for donations, so it's purely out of goodwill. Okay, for the donors. Um, tend to be a bit older, they obviously had their kids and, you know, they're a little bit older and um, given me wanting the best chance at a quick conception, I thought that that was probably not my option. Also, because they're a little bit older, some of them are only suitable for IVF and I was actually cleared or not cleared to, but able to do insemination over IVF because I had no issues. Yep. that showed up in the testing. Okay, right, gotcha. So, so once you take out the um, Australian sperm, then you get down to the international sperm or the American sperm, Yep. then I personally decided to go with a Caucasian donor because I felt like that was the uh, wisest choice for yep. my child and what family he'd be brought into. Yep. I wanted him to feel like he belonged and yep. I didn't want to add any additional um, cultural challenges sure. to his life. So personally, I chose Caucasian. Yep. Um, and then I narrowed down the Caucasian donors that shared similar traits to me. Oh,
2: great.
1: Um, so my donor was um, similar skin color and hair color and eye color.
2: Yep.
1: His, his actual features were a little bit different from mine, but what I really liked about him was um, all of the other information that they gave So genetically there was no cancers or yep. diseases or anything. Yep. They give you um, regeneration so I was able to wow.
2: get
1: his generation, his mum's and his like mum's mums.
0: Wow, that's that's better than what getting yeah. married. Like we've had so many issues with health of my children and my husband actually goes, I should have got you medically tested <laughs> <laughs> because you don't even think about it. You just fall in love and you have a baby, but that's like amazing.
1: I think you know there's a lot of challenges um, and there's a lot of things to consider if you if you are going down this path. Um, sure. And there are a lot of things that you miss out on. But yeah. I guess one of the positive things is yes. you know you do get a, a lovely, clean, <laughs> clear genetic yeah. history. Yeah. So, it's yeah a positive.
0: So and a baby. That's, that's two positives. It. Yeah. And
1: and a beautiful baby. So yeah. um yeah. So that was the donor that I I chose. Right. and um i was able to they give you one photograph with the application really i have seen a photograph of him at approximately 10 years old um which is very special and yeah. um, that'll be something that i'll We'll be able to show, yeah, Bowie, my son, when he gets a little bit older. Yeah, well, that's beautiful. To know about where he's come from.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so beautiful. And that's the thing, you know. We've got, um, I've got really good friends that, um, are same-sex couples, and they had gone through the same journey, and um, it was just so interesting, you know. Mm. And the and the the sperm donor had written a letter as well you know like so it's really special and he's gorgeous he's like one years old now and I'm like every time I see him I'm like it's just like a miracle I mean babies are miracles anyway but that you have the possibility to have been able to do this is just so special isn't it
1: absolutely I think um prior to prior to choosing this um path for myself I was in a same-sex uh, relationship, and I was looking at having a baby with that person, mm-hmm. and we decided that that was just not um, going to work, not going to work, and the relationship wasn't right, so that ended. But mm-hmm. I think I felt a lot of um, hesitation and anxiety at that point, at, at starting, you know, first looking into it, because it is really overwhelming to think about not being able to have a child with the person that you love yeah, yeah. Um, when you're in a same-sex relationship. Yeah. There's, there's a person that you care very deeply about yeah. um, and, you know, love and you want to have a child together, but biologically it's just not possible. So that is very overwhelming um, and it is challenging. But now to be at the other end of that where I'm holding my baby, mm. literally, um,
0: literally, I have
1: nothing but gratitude yeah. for, you know, someone to do that and I think... I was worried about him feeling like half a stranger because I didn't know genetically what he was going to look like and um, I didn't have a connection to the person genetically. But the minute that he came out, I loved him so deeply that Mm -hmm. it just, it literally took my breath away. And I can't imagine, yeah, I can't imagine... Not doing more than I do so oh yeah.
0: and you know those words are so beautiful and I hope people out there that might have been in this might be in the same position get to hear this podcast and that just you know sort of break through the the, the fear and yeah. that on the other end when you're holding your baby it's all worth it
1: absolutely I think yeah. that was definitely um, a big fear of mine during the pregnancy was am I going to bond with this them. Course, yeah.
0: um, were you bonding with the pregnancy did you enjoy the pregnancy or was that in the back of your mind all the time um, it was
1: totally in the back of my mind and it was a source of anxiety for me but
2: yeah
1: um, I did enjoy being pregnant and I did have a relatively easy pregnancy with, with no complications yeah um, I had a little bit of morning sickness which you know is very standard yeah. and um, towards the end of the pregnancy I Everyone's feeling very big and completely
0: sore. over it. Yes.
1: Yes, yes. Um, but but I did feel, um, yeah, I did did feel that we bonded somewhat in pregnancy, but nothing compared to, yeah, you know, when you the saw love. Yeah, pregnancy. yeah. Oh,
0: that's so beautiful. Oh, thank you for sharing that because, like I said, hopefully anyone in the position that you were in. Can just you know get the confidence to do it. Um, so you were able to do the IVF route, but is if it was um, someone that hadn't had sort of any um, medical issue around there, what you were talking mm-hmm. about, um, is that something that they do themselves? They same thing. They would go get the sperm and, and administer themselves. Do you know? Or well, you don't really know at either. home.
1: Do you mean at yeah. home insemination? Yeah. So um, that is definitely an option for yep. either same-sex couples or yep. um, single mothers by yep. choice. Yep. Um, for me personally, I liked the um sup- the medical support and structure yeah. of going through a yeah. clinic. Yeah. Um, there's no right or wrong way to no. have a no. um but for me I thought, well, if I'm gonna do it, I might as well yeah. do it through a clinic and have yeah. that that support. And I was in a situation where I was financially lucky enough um to yeah, be I'm able to do that. That's what good. I will say is it is expensive. Yeah. So um
0: and so was obvious, like if you were going, yeah. you know, any,
1: you know, it, it's all, yeah, Facility definitely does have a price point, which is unfortunate, but yeah. you know, it is what it is. It is. Um, yeah. so I think I estimated that the entire process, which was, um, a second attempt successful insemination, yep. um, but then all of this actually, the like, so seeing fertility specialists getting all yep. the tests done. I estimated it was around seven and a half to eight thousand
0: dollars. Okay, look, that's a lot of money, yes, but it's you know doable if you can do it.
1: Yeah, it's definitely doable, and I was lucky um, and very blessed that I fell pregnant on the second attempt. Yeah, Um, each attempt was approximately two thousand two hundred dollars.
0: Okay, so it's quite expensive for that. Uh, But yeah,
1: so the I insemination IUI has a higher. um, It is expensive. Sorry, it's less expensive than IVF per go, yep. but it's, there's much less success rate. Yeah, I betcha.
0: Yeah, that's right. Oh, it was
1: well, roughly 15% um, chance of going pregnant per, per go.
0: Oh, right. Pregnancy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Lots to think about, isn't it? Well, I hope everyone who wants to can, you know, the world okay. that they can. Um, so so that's a, amazing. So you you had a great pregnancy. What was your birth like?
1: Oh. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Um, completely, just not. The, or the opposite of any plan. Or um,
0: yes, okay, that's. Quite- yeah, yes. <laughs> it was
1: um, which is you know, I really wanted to sh- have an opportunity to share my birth story. So yep. when you asked me on the podcast, I was really happy to um, talk about it. Ask. So my birth story began um, at 39 weeks when I went in, or even probably earlier. Yep. I was going in for my you know, last end of, check, end of pregnancy checks, um, and I had been really keen to kind of get the show on the road, yes. uh, and was asking for stretching sleep at 30, 30, 38 weeks and 39 weeks uh-huh. uh, because my anxiety levels were starting to rise around the idea of pregnancy.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, sorry, of, yes. around labour. Yeah. So a little bit of backstory. I have had depression and anxiety for, uh, well, the vast majority of my life. Yes,
0: probably. but I now you you understand it. Yes.
1: Yeah. I was diagnosed at sixteen, um, and that's been an ongoing journey. And another reason as to why I waited till thirty um, to have a baby, just to get that under control. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my family was in Sydney. They, my mum and my sister, were my my birth team. Yep. And they um, had to quarantine in Brisbane. Uh, two weeks before they were able to be oh, let out. Lot, so is it... A very fine line between the baby not coming before they could get out of quarantine, yeah. but then coming not long after they got out because they had a limited time that they could be in
2: prison. Yeah, Of
1: course. So the timing of everything and the stress of the quarantine um, really took its toll on me. Of course. Add to that that I hadn't seen my family since I was 14 weeks pregnant, so they'd been this my entire I think effectively. Yeah. So it was it was a highly emotional situation yeah. already. Yes. Yeah. Um then at 39 weeks I went in for a for a stretch and sweep. Um because I had attempted on at 38 but I wasn't engaged enough. Yeah. And the midwife said, Oh, unfortunately, you are still not you know engaged and yeah. um, baby's not ready for a stretch and sweep. And I think it took me quite I'm quite surprised actually. I had a, a pretty bad panic attack at that point in the doctor's office.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and I think the reality of everything hit me and the emotion of everything hit me. And I just said to them, I've got, I'm really struggling. It's And it's crept it up on me so quickly. Like, yeah. because I had mental health um, considerations, it was always discussed in my appointments. Yep. And I was always, um, you know, chatting to my, my yeah. team about that. Emma we were always checking in, but it it escalated like just really quick. skyrocketed literally overnight one day. Yeah. So, so at that point we had an obstetrician come in and she had a chat with me and she said, What like what can we do? What yeah. what do you want the outcome to be from this appointment today? Which was fantastic. Yeah. Um, uh, and I said I'd like an induction.
2: Yeah.
1: Which was a really difficult decision for me because I knew the risk of induction yeah. versus um intervention mm. but my medical team and I and my mum and my sister decided that it was a risk that was we were willing to take yep. in exchange for um you know my mental health and my yep, physical health.
2: yep absolutely. and
1: from where baby was in my tummy and how comfortable he was um it didn't look like even if we had waited till his due date or after that, he would be coming naturally anyway. Yeah. So he was sort of staring down the barrel at an uh, induction in general. Yeah. So we thought, rather get it done now when I've got the support in Brisbane Yep. Um. than wait and, and have my mental health at a bad place. Yeah, so yeah. that was the decision that was made. And then the hospital actually got me in the, for induction the next day, yep. which was quite a, a quick turnaround. Usually it's like a four day window. Yeah, I yeah. that was. I was by seven a.m. the next morning. I was in the hospital. Yeah, wow,
0: that's good. Well, yeah. good, but yeah. Yeah. To, but yeah, then you have to push the baby out, um, yeah. and then how did it go? Uh, not well. Oh. So um,
1: I was definitely the case of um, induction. Well, not actually. I shouldn't say that induction led to intervention because in my in my heart and in my gut, I really do think that I was looking at intervention anyway. Yeah, okay. So um, I went in on Saturday morning yep. for a balloon capita. and um, that got placed and then I was able to come home for the day and that was a really great, peaceful, happy day. So I had yep. my mum and my sister and my partner yep. um, all just spending the day with me. We were very relaxed. We watched a bit of TV together. Yep. I had a nap. Um, and, and it was all sort of going quite yeah. nicely. I started having um, contractions around 3 p.m. that day, uh, and then a few hours later, as they got a little bit closer together, I started to make my way back to the hospital to have the balloon removed. Yeah. Um, and then the next step from that, for anyone who doesn't know, is that they will break through waters, mm-hmm. and then they will usually put a drip in of oxytocin yeah. um, to stimulate contractions yeah. and to bring in the labor. So there was a little bit of a delay at the hospital in terms of a couple of um people had presented with spontaneous labor. So they just jump jump ahead, which of course makes sense. Yeah. So I um was labouring uh and contracting sort of just in the hospital waiting areas like there's like a there's like a um, special room that you sort of just wait in until they're ready to you to yeah. birth sleep. And then it was about 9 p.m. or 9.30 p.m. before I was taken into birth suite where they started the actual Mm process. So um, that was a really surreal experience being taken into birth suite, Um, you know, walking into the room where I thought, uh, you know, this is where my baby's going to be born um, was a really incredible experience. And I had a very clear plan for my labor, so I had spent a lot of time looking at hypnobirthing, I had all of the meditations, I had the podcast, I ready had the music. Go. I had the TENS machine, I had the reflexology comb, I had um, earplugs, eye masks, I had all of it, all yeah. of the stuff that you could think of, it was all ready to go and I was so organized. Um, so they broke my waters, started the drip and the contraction started pretty quickly, I would say within half an hour. Um, I laboured with those for about three hours and then I was really struggling with the intensity of those contractions.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. I tried the gas and air and I hated it, mm-hmm. absolutely hated it. Which was quite surprising because I thought that I was really like that. yeah, but you have to um I didn't realize in all of the birth classes that I've done, you have to breathe in and out through the tube. Right. For some reason, I sort of thought that you like breathe in. breathe it in and then just breathe normally as well, but no, you have to actually breathe in and out of this tube, a bit like a snorkel for yeah. your entire contraction. And I felt really claustrophobic. I thought like I couldn't I couldn't breathe yeah. um, through that tiny little tube and then when the gas and air did hit me I just felt um I didn't feel any pain relief at all I just felt dizzy yeah. and I really didn't, didn't like it. So at that point um I asked for an epidural which is where things kind of going to be their shape. For me.
2: Really?
1: Yeah so I um so the epidural I asked for the epidural about twenty minutes later the anaesthetist arrived and the actual um, insertion, or you know, like him performing the epidural, was fine. I didn't find it painful. Or, yep. you know, there's a lot of forest stories about the needle and this, that and the other, but I was in so much pain. I just was happy to do whatever, happy to get it in. Um, but so it was. It was administered, and then probably about 15, 20 minutes after it was administered they were tracking um how it was working and they started to my midwife started to realise pretty quickly that it was traveling um quite high. Right. So um you're supposed to sort of only feel like from your um hips your stomach. down. Yeah. yeah, hips down, sort of mid stomach. Um but she kept she kept asking me about where I could feel and where I couldn't using a piece of ice. And she was asking me a lot, and I didn't really think too much of the time. But I, you know, every sort of five, ten minutes, she was asking, me, "Can you feel this? Can you feel this?" And then I heard a lot of whispering um, on the phone, and I just started to feel a shift in the air that was a little bit concerning. Yeah. Um. And I was very out of it. Like I'm not sure what they mean <laughs> by but I definitely was high. As a kite. <laughs> I wasn't really. I wasn't feeling anything, let me tell you. I was not in pain. Okay. But I do remember saying, um, asking a couple of times, is the baby okay? And they were very vehemently saying, oh, yes, yes, baby's fine. But then there was sort of a bit of a trail off and I could see people sort of, my mum making eyes with the midwife. And anyway, I didn't find this out until later, but the um, epidural had gone way too high. So... It was it had gone up as high as T1, which is um, really bad. (laughs) It was kind of um, basically past my just just past my collarbone, and my blood pressure crashed three times. So at one point, um, the midwife pressed the emergency button, and I had six doctors run in, and they flattened the bed, and they were all like sort of working around me and talking, and there was a lot of commotion and. um, and all I remember is just saying, is you the know, baby okay? Um and it was yeah, it was really scary. they did think I was gonna stop breathing. So um the next step if they weren't able to get it under control would have been I would have had to be intubated. Wow. So it was pretty it was pretty traumatic. Wow. The the godsend with that was that I didn't remember it.
0: Okay.
1: Um or well I remember it but I didn't I wasn't present for it because yeah. I was so heavily um sedated with that epidural. But it was a really traumatic experience oh, yeah. from another and my sister watching it. Um so you know that was really scary and um and definitely not at all what I was expecting no. my epidural. Experience. I've never heard of that. Yeah, I've never heard of it never. either. It's called um it's called a high block. Um, and yeah, it can be uh,
0: fatal. Bad, fatal.
1: Yeah. So how,
0: how did you get Bowie out?
1: So once we were able to get the epidural under control, so basically, um, what they did was they just switched it off immediately. Yeah. Um, and then it took it took another three hours for it to <gasps> come down to where it was supposed to be. So that's, Holy moly. that's how how high and how heavy it
0: was. Is that the just um, error?
1: I'm unsure.
0: Right. I'm unsure. You'd probably that never actually, find out either. baby.
1: Yeah. I um. It actually is on my list to to chat to the hospital and see yeah. if I can have a little bit of a um,
0: understanding what happened. Yeah, like a little
1: bit of a, a meeting about what happened because it does concern me in the future pregnancies. Yeah. If that if that is you know a response from my body, yeah. I would like to know so that that can be noted on
0: my uh, definitely definitely.
1: Yeah, so I mean the upside to all of that was I wasn't in any pain. <laughs> so I was able to have a good nap um and just sort of try and um I guess yeah, sleep and, and relax as much as possible. However, it was once we had sort of got out of the danger zone with the epidural, it was becoming clear that I was not dilating.
2: Yeah, right. sleep,
1: which was a real blow. So at I think six AM they Check my dilation i was still only three centimeters yeah. and she said uh we're gonna increase the drip see if we can get some movement and we'll test you again in four hours yeah and then that was 10 a.m and uh and she checked me and i was still three centimeters uh, yeah and my cervix was still quite thick so it wasn't even like the service had thinned out. out and we're ready to go it was just nothing was happening yeah and that was really devastating for me um because by that point we were now over 24 hours for the entire experience yeah. mm-hmm. and then in the nicest possible way my midwife said to me look you're actually not in labor like we don't even classify this as labor which is <laughs> This is still technically pre labor. Oh my god! And, um, and I, I think I laughed when she said I that. I was going to say,
0: did you cry or laugh? Yeah. I
1: think at that point I just laughed because I thought, oh, of course, of course, yeah. I'm not even in labor. Yeah, you know?
0: yeah. I
1: I've nearly yeah. died, and I've been in pain, and I'm I know, proud, I'm, but I'm not in labor oh. anyway. And then that was when C-section was chatted about. Yeah. So. Uh, long story short we did end up with an emergency c-section yep. to get little man out yep. um although i will say that surprisingly that was my favorite and best part of my labor oh, i was really secure in that decision right. i had they not suggested it i would have asked for it anyway okay. although That's there, was, good. there was no there was no way they weren't going to suggest it but yeah. i would have asked for it i was feeling yep. very anxious about Having any feeling and strength to push, and I was thinking, I'm gonna get and I'm gonna end up with a, with a stuck baby, yeah. So I are. was very relieved yeah. when the decision was made to do a c section. Cool. Um, yeah. and also there was finally a light at the end of the tunnel, so yeah. um, this was yeah, like 26 hours, 27 hours of labor and or non labor,
0: <laughs> yeah, kind yeah. of labor, a bit of labor, bit it of hurts speech. though. It's, yeah. not, it's not like you weren't in any pain or nearly yeah. died. Yeah, that's right. Um,
1: so I was just really happy and... to have a, a light at the end of the tunnel yeah. at that point. And the, C, the C-section experience was, I would say, frightening because I've never had any kind of surgery or anything before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just very overwhelming and, and very frightening, but it was also incredibly amazing. I had a great team mm-hmm. and the... Um, the obstetrician who had originally ordered my or uh, signed off on my induction happened to be on shift and she was the one that performed the operation, oh, which was fantastic. Um, and uh, I had my mum with me and we had I think some worship music,
0: yeah. and it was
1: just a really lovely time, lovely, lovely, and lovely, is not even the right word, but it was oh, an yeah. amazing experience.
2: Yeah. It felt
1: incredibly transcendent. Um yeah. really at the risk of sounding dramatic. No,
0: okay, not at all.
1: And the minute that they got him out and lifted the sheet down so I could see him, I just yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was so overwhelmed. Yeah. Oh, it was it was phenomenal. It was yeah. the best moment of my entire life. Yeah. And the thing that struck me was I couldn't believe how much he looked like me. Which oh, was, really? and, yeah, which was such a shock because as we talked about earlier um you know i had no idea what to expect yeah i had some 4d photos taken and they were really clear but you know they're as yeah. clear as they can be yeah the, you know, and the audience uh, a fluid attack um but yeah he he looked so much like me and i was just i was shocked yeah. and he was long like like white blonde, I couldn't believe it. Okay. I'm dark head, and his donor was dark head, and we don't really have a lot of blonde in the family. Yeah, um, I was just, uh, yeah, I just was absolutely was, shocked. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that was definitely the best best moment ever of my entire life.
0: Yeah, yes. yeah, what, and uh, what a journey!
1: What it was an absolute journey, it was yeah. an absolute mammoth, yeah, mammoth experience and whatnot. But at the end of the day. I had a very happy, very healthy baby. Yeah, and, uh, I, a black
0: for. I know. Oh well, thank you so much for sharing the story. The one other thing that we were talking about, because that's so uh, just so beautiful, and and that's the thing sharing the stories is we all go into particularly first-time baby uh mm. what we would like as expectation you know mm. or not even expectation just what you would like and then mm. you know like for your anxiety and stuff to hit you hard you wouldn't mm. have, like you wouldn't have known that was going to happen and so you know you just got to roll with the punches sometimes don't you that's it absolutely you got a healthy buzz how are you feeling now you're feeling pretty good with the recovery from the caesar
1: yeah look recovery um i would say Was hell. (laughs) Not so much the Caesar. I just think the shock of everything.
2: Yeah.
1: The the shock of the entire experience, physically, mentally, emotionally, was just uh, hit me like a freight train. Yeah. I was in hospital for five, five and a half days. Yep. And um, to be honest, it was really, yeah, really, really challenging. So luckily, my mental health had been clearly documented. Yep. in the pregnancy and then obviously reason for induction yep. so i was flagged as um you know that being an issue straight away so i had a lot of support mentally in the first few days i was seen by a um a hospital psychiatrist i was seen by a birth trauma OT. Right. i was seen by the um mental health postnatal team yep. Um, it was definitely, yeah, it was definitely really hard. I, I won't lie. Um, I think what was really difficult for me was I couldn't walk and I couldn't pick him up and I couldn't do anything. And yeah, of course, with everything that happened with the epidural, I think yeah. me, my, myself, and my mum, and my sister were definitely all very shell shocked. Yeah, um, so it was, it was a really hard
0: adjustment, adjustment, like adjustment. an adjustment. Yeah, yeah, really
1: hard adjustment. I did also, unfortunately, have um, issues with breastfeeding, which yeah. was. You know what? If I could, if I could say one thing that I struggled with and, and surprised me would be that because I have um, so I have very sensitive nipples, and um, Bubba has a very, very strong splash. Very, very strong. <laughs> it was a bad, yeah, yeah. It was a bad combo to start with, and. Um, what happened was when he was born out I was in recovery on the ward, they um, popped him on my chest for a feed and he had his first feed for an hour and it was great and he fed and everything was amazing and I was like, this is just so wonderful because I had been sure that I was going to have issues with breastfeeding. I yeah. had been sort of prepared for it. And I thought, oh, no, this is fantastic. But in actuality, I was completely, um, I couldn't feel anything oh. still oh Some, yeah completely numb. yeah i had had that um the epidural and then the spinal block was topped up for the c-section and then yeah. they gave me double endrome when i got out of surgery so i could not feel a thing so of course <laughs> breastfeeding was that first fever right. Yeah,
2: because
1: i could not feel anything yeah and then um a few yeah. hours later i went to sort of um feed again and i went oh, oh yeah. it this, yeah. this doesn't feel right so not only was I recovering from a birth that did not go to plan um, and, you know, emergency surgery effectively, Um, I then couldn't, I was in so much pain with breastfeeding. Like the minute that he just, the minute that he latched onto my breast, I would be sobbing. And it wasn't even, it was totally out of my control. Like the pain level was that. I wasn't even actively crying. My face just... Well, yeah, the pain, yeah. had streaming down my face. And um, so I had expressed some colostrum prior to his birth, which was enough for one day, and then it was gone, and yeah. I was just so devastated and shocked how yeah. quickly it went. And then it was um, we decided to move to formula after yeah. the first day. Good. Which at the point of moving to formula I was fine with because I could see how hungry he was and yep. how happy he was and he yep. did take to it very, very well. Right. But it was um it was utterly devastating to me. Um and I was I was definitely taken aback by how devastating it was that I could have breastfeed Because it felt like like on a on a intellectual level, I knew that fed best, that it didn't 100%. matter, It was yep. everything was fine. And if that was the best option for him and for me, then that was fine. I knew that, but like instinctively,
0: emotionally, yeah, it, it was,
1: was like this this guttural, you know, um, yeah, like this, like you failed, start,
0: yeah, like you this failed.
1: Of me that yeah. overwhelmingly, um, was desperate to feed yeah. and wanted to feed and yeah. felt like. I had absolutely failed.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, I remember probably one of the most difficult moments of my entire recovery was when my milk came in.
2: Yeah.
1: And I I felt I woke up, I think it was day three or four. And I woke up and I could feel that my breasts were full of milk and yeah. it was huge and I was still in so much pain from the C section and I walked into the shower and undressed and I was sitting on the shower chair. And the water was, you know, running down my chest, and my breast was so full and so hard, and I just held them and sobbed like I've never sobbed. Like the grief was coming from a place that yeah. I couldn't even um, verbalize.
0: I understand Because
1: my my body had made this milk for my son, and yeah. I couldn't give it to him. Yeah. And I just, I think that was something that, you know if I was to share about my birth story and my experience in the early days as a mum, something that really, you know, shocked me was how hard that part was. Yeah. yeah. I haven't actually heard, you know, I, I listened to a lot of birth stories when I was pregnant, Um, you know, so I sort of, not because it would prepare me for my birth, but just so I would have the the knowledge of birth sure. and understanding of what that looks like but I didn't ever really hear people talk in depth about
0: difficulties yeah they don't though and it's, it's actually really common. And the, that's the thing is, like like you said, um, deep down, it's like this nurturing thing that you, you your body's making it and and it should be able to work. But it's a big percentage of mums it just it doesn't, or you yeah. know, and, um, and it needs to be talked about more because it is a really big devastation for mums, you know. Some mums choose that they don't want to and that's their choice, but mums that um, would love to do it and can't, it's a big thing. Same yeah. with, you know, you want to have a natural birth, it doesn't work. You have to process that too, you know.
1: Absolutely, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, looking at at my experience with breastfeeding, I, um, I think I fed him in total three times. Yeah. And my sister took a photo of of all three of those times. Yeah. Um, I think she must have just known that I would want and need yeah. those memories because it was going to be so short lived. I think she just must have yeah. had a sixth sense about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me, you know, I know some women as you mentioned, they really struggle with the idea of having a C-section over vaginal birth. Yeah. That really doesn't come in, like that really doesn't bother me too much. I have my odd moments where I think, oh, that would have been nice, but overall yeah. I was very at peace with C-section. But, yeah. yeah, the experience for me with not being able to breastfeed was just devastating. Months, and yeah. Um, yeah, so that was that was sort of just an added, a, added challenge, you know, if I'd had this really traumatic birth and then, emergency major surgery and yeah. then knocking on the breastfeed. Yeah, a lot.
0: And
1: yeah, it was, it was really challenging. Um, what I will say is uh, the hospital was incredible. So I literally just had person after person after person knocking on my door um, you know, with, with support and assistance and resources. And what I learned really early on was um, I thought that my time in hospital would be learning how to look after a newborn like i thought that was where my energy was yeah. going to go. actually where it went was um prioritizing my recovery that absolutely. was a full-time job yeah. in the
0: hospital. Yeah. it's in natural birth or everything that you've been through it, it should be a, a, mums need to re- have that rest and recover all different levels of birth you know it is absolutely. very important you need to be okay
1: i think i would love to share that as well you know if anyone who's listening who might be pregnant or um, you know, looking at coming up into later soon is really think about prioritising yourself yeah. in those early days. Yeah. It's not selfish. It's it's an absolute necessity. Yeah. Because I tell you right now, Donna, if I had not spent those basically those entire five days working with the team on physically, mentally getting myself into a good place, Yeah after myself I would not be as mentally
2: no. stable
1: and well as I am right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so once we came I I definitely struggled in the hospital. Um I at times was um very, very down in terms yeah. of like I would never I would never hurt myself, but there were days where I didn't want to wake up because yeah.
2: well, that's
1: I true. was just so overwhelmed yeah. and I, there was so much pain and I didn't know how to start even even begin to sift through yeah. that yeah. but that was such an intense period of, of um you know support and recovery that by the time I've come home I've been you know touch wood very blessed awesome. with my health you know like I I have a good routine I um I'm on antidepressants which I was prior to yeah the- yeah but looking after
0: 100%. your health and your health
1: 100% health and um and just Really, I gave myself the best opportunity in the hospital. When I got home, we were in a good place.
0: Yeah, and you're doing amazing. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you. We we could actually talk all. Oh, he's so beautiful. We could actually talk all day, but you know, but that you know, I so love love that you've shared that story because, like we talk about, everyone um, likes to share the the um, amazing awesome stories, but the reality is this happens a lot and yours is a really interesting story.
1: Thank you. Yeah, well, I appreciate um, the opportunity to share about it on your podcast.
0: No worries at
1: all. Somebody out there just either to know what to expect or if they go through this to know that they're absolutely not alone and um, there's help and support and resources out there and there's people that have gone through it as well.
0: Absolutely, because how old's Bowie now? Four weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Yeah,
1: he'll be four weeks on Sunday. Four
0: weeks, and you know, just before we got onto the podcast, you know, um, what you were saying or say to everybody that you're loving it,
1: you're yeah. absolutely loving yeah. it, and I think yeah.
0: about all that's only a month's time and everything that you went through, all of that, you know, and that you're really enjoying it is just so special, you know, yeah, absolutely. Um, really good. My
1: bond with him has definitely been my saving grace, and I know that there's a whole. There's a whole gamut of things that mothers struggle with. Everybody struggles yeah. with a different element of parenting and motherhood, and that transition into motherhood. Definitely. You know, for me, my struggles were birth and labour, but my my positive and my saving grace was my bond with him. Yeah. Um And I'm just immensely, immeasurably grateful for that yeah. because he is yeah, an absolute anchor for me. So that's been a huge part of of my the recovery.
0: Ep- right because some people have you know because i work with so many families some family it can be the absolute opposite have this amazing pregnancy no yep. anxiety, depression have an amazing birth have absolutely no connection when they see that baby yeah, and again there's nothing wrong with that they're going to be okay but get help if they need yeah. help it's does they're not failing it's like the breastfeeding it's not your fault you know but as mothers we feel like we're failing if it's not this perfection and you know you don't have to instantly fall in love i mean i did I was the
2: same.
0: Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's um, everybody's journey. But thank you so much for coming on today. Um, and, yeah, keep enjoying your beautiful baby boy.
1: Thank you, yes. Yeah, um, you can expect a lot of baby spam
0: Yay. On- for a love while. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. Donna. So if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave me a rating and review on our podcast. I love reading all of your messages, so shoot me a DM over on Instagram. I am at bub to sleep b-u-b number two sleep i also offer a free 15 minute phone chat if you'd like to book one head over to my website www.bubtosleep.com.au and request one there so try to remember to be kind to yourself and always know you're doing the best you can every day no matter what your day's looking like until next time much love